Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Rice University for a debate between Dr. James Tor and Mr. Dave Farina. The topic, are we clueless about the origin of life? My name is Alex Latham, and I am a graduate student affiliated with the Tor Research Group. I will be serving tonight as a timekeeper for the debate. Some quick logistics before we get started. Uh, in case of emergency, there are three exits in this room to either side of me and one in the back. Please only use the exit here uh, to either side of me in case of an emergency. If you need to use the restroom during the debate and you are able to use the stairs, please exit through the back door so as not to disrupt the stage. The restrooms are located in the main building just around this way, uh, down into the door right on the side of this building. Uh, you go in, take a right, and you'll see the restrooms very soon. Uh, in order to limit disruptions, we ask that you please silence your cell phones and mobile devices. We also ask that you please not uh, distract anybody up front with any kind of photography, videography, flash photography especially. This event is being live streamed and the video will be available for free after the event as well, so there really shouldn't be any need for pictures or videos. Uh, we also ask that uh, unless you need to step out, uh, that you do not stand up uh, because that would be pretty distracting as well for the live stream. We would like to thank Rice Events and those helping with the live stream and sound for making this event possible tonight. Uh, we would also like to give a special thank you to Mr. Farina uh, for being here and giving his time this evening, being willing to visit Rice University for this debate. Uh, now, the moderator for tonight's debate will be Professor Wayne Guida. He is a professor in the Department of Chemistry at the University of South Florida in Tampa and a collaborating member in the Molecular Medicine Program at the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center and Research Institute at the University of South Florida. Professor Guida has also served as president and CEO of Schrodinger Incorporated. He was the executive director of chemical technologies at the Novartis Institute for Biomedical Research, formerly known as Siba Geigy Pharmaceuticals. There, he supervised a group of scientists engaged in molecular modeling, protein X-ray crystallography, protein NMR spectroscopy, protein biochemistry, high-throughput screening, analytical chemistry, and organic synthesis scale-up. Professor Guida's current research interest involves the design of STING modulators, that stands for Stimulator of Interferon Genes, for the treatment of cancer, autoimmune disease, and anti-infectives. Please join me in welcoming the moderator, Professor Wayne Guida. Thank you very much, and thank you, Alex, for the introduction. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here tonight. I'm glad that Dr. Tour asked me to uh, do this. Uh, we have uh, an amazingly uh, 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 good audience here. We, I think every, just about every seat is filled. Um, so first, uh, let's just start off by welcoming to the stage Dr. Uh, James Tour and Mr. Dave Farina. Okay, so all of, uh, both of you make sure you're at your neutral corners. Uh, to my left uh, corner of the ring, uh, weighing in at, no, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, to my right is uh, Mr. Dave Farina. He's a scientific communicator who hosts the YouTube channel, Professor Dave Explains. 
To my left is none other than Dr. James Tour, uh, who is the TT and WF Chow Professor of Chemistry right here at Rice University. Okay, give me a moment, if you will, to describe the ground rules. So um, the way this is going to work is Dr. Tour will have the first 10 minutes to make an opening statement. Then um, uh, Mr. Farina will have another 10 minutes to make an opening statement. After that, Dr. Tour will take two minutes to ask a question of Mr. Farina. Mr. Farina will have five minutes to answer that uh, question. And a dialogue is permitted during the answering of the questions. Uh, after that, Mr. Farina will have two minutes to ask Dr. Tour a question, and Dr. Tour five minutes to reply. And this will go back and forth like that till 8.30. We will make sure, Alex and I, that they stick to the time. <laughs> uh, but my role is beyond just that of a passive uh, uh, moderator. I mentioned the timekeeping. But in addition, if, I'm, if I hear during uh, the debate something that, in my opinion, is not correct chemically, I will render my opinion. Uh, but I'll wait. I won't interrupt either of the debaters. I'll wait until there's a pause. Uh, then uh, what will happen at um, 8.30 is we will end that part of the debate and we'll go into a question and answer session where members of the audience can ask, ask questions and I'll explain exactly how that works when we get to the 8.30 time point. So once again, let's welcome the two debaters. Thank you. Before we get started, I want to do something. I've got a gift for Mr. Farina. Now, I was thinking, what, what could I get such an amazing person? And I, I've got you something that I am sure you do not have. <laughs> this, is, this is something called laser-induced graphene. It was a process we developed in 2013 where a laser can hit any surface that's made out of carbon, and in this case, it's paper and the laser can write a pattern. So what you're gonna look at is paper that has been converted into carbon. The carbohydrates have been converted into graphene through the laser action. And so here's what we've got for you. Oh. That's very lovely. It's a nice gesture, thank you. Is this on? Thank you. Thanks very much, James. So I have, uh, I have 10 minutes for an opening statement. Mr. Farina, as my guest, welcome to Rice University. Unlike Mr. Farina, I have never been in a debate before. So if it appears that I am not a skilled debater, it's an accurate assessment. A major hurdle for the origin of life research is the origin and persistence of enantiopure molecules. The building blocks of the building blocks, as I call them. Enantiopurity means that one mirror image of a molecule prevails to the exclusion of the other. This includes 19 of the 20 amino acids, the monomeric sugars, the nucleotides, and the lipids. But for the sake of getting through, I am conceding tonight to my opponent all those 
small molecules in 100% enantiomeric purity. They are yours. I concede them to you for the sake of time. So let's address other issues tonight, since my concession has been granted and there's still much more ground to cover. I am here defining clueless. Oh, this, this has gone off. All right. Hold the time a second for me while I log back in here. Okay, they, they, they had to have me use this one because of the way the feeds are working. So um, uh, when this logs back in. Okay, but I, I'll, I'll continue now in any case. I'm here defining clueless in the context of my typical usage. Uh, let me open up this document. <laughs> Got to do it. I mean, this is, this is, just, this is just life, you know? <laughs> I, I teach in this room, so I'm, I'm used to this. This just happens. Okay. So I'm defining clueless in the context of my typical usage. We cannot solve any of the five criteria needed to make a living cell. None of these can be solved. Mr. Farina has complained that I am a religious man. I'm not just religious, I'm deeply religious. Or as he puts it, I'm a, quote, super, super Jesus guy, unquote. <laughs> While that's a label that I gladly embrace, and I believe that the Bible is God's word, I never appeal to that book of authority in my academic lectures or scientific discussions. Never, unless specifically asked about my religious convictions, like in a church or a religious podcast, I never couple those to my scientific criticisms of origin of life research. I will not appeal to the Bible, to God, to miracles, to Jesus, to God of the gaps tonight. Often, origin of life researchers have a time of the gaps appeal where they will say something to the effect, over millions of years, such and such happened. Those bedtime stories that are devoid of any precise chemistry may as well start with once upon a time. So I hope that my opponent will likewise not appeal to ill-defined time of the gaps arguments and that he'll stay strictly on the scientific data, the data. As for me, I will stick to the data. The topic tonight is not about me, it's whether there is a valid hypothesis to make a living cell on a mindless early earth. In discussing scientific data, it's not a matter of deception or lies. It is a matter of data interpretation. That happens all the time in science. It's hard to interpret the scientific literature data. And as I do with my graduate students, we learn from each other. They from me and I from them. I plan to address Mr. Farina as I would a graduate student seeking to learn from him tonight. The textbook definition for the characteristics of life is responsiveness to the environment, growth and change, ability to reproduce, having metabolism and breathe, maintaining homeostasis and being made of cells and passing traits onto offspring. A valid hypothesis is one in which there is experimental evidence substantiating the proposed science. An invalid hypothesis is one in which there is no way to substantiate the proposed science. For example, my guest arrived to Houston from Los Angeles. A valid hypothesis would be that he flew to Houston on a commercial aircraft. That is a valid hypothesis because we can experimentally test the efficacy of commercial air travel. 
An invalid hypothesis would be that he drove here in a single molecule nanocar. Though that statement might be true, it is an invalid hypothesis since we have no experimental evidence for its validity. Nobody was present at life's origin, so we will never really know how life originated. But that's not what we're seeking to answer tonight. What we're seeking is an experimentally valid, verifiable hypothesis as to how life might have originated on an early Earth. We must see the origin of life research data, not their unsubstantiated claims, even if those claims are written in their research papers. Mr. Farina, please show us their data. Show their data. My contention remains the same. One day I presume that we will have a valid hypothesis upon which life might have originated. But as of today, we do not. And with each passing year, the cellular target that we must disclose becomes harder to reach due to the increased realization of its minimal complexity. A study in the Journal of Pragmatics in 2021 considered the trend of hyperbole in scientific publications. The authors, Highland and Jiang, wrote, quote, we trace the use of 400 hyping words which seek to promote, embellish, or exaggerate aspects of research papers. Our results show a massive increase in these items, and increases are most marked in the hard sciences." Unquote. So while overblown statements are occurring in all fields, origin of life takes the cake. My opponent's favorite expert, Professor Lee Cronin, said in 2011 that he'd probably create life in his lab in two years. He did not. Another, whom he often cites, Professor Jack Sostek, then at Harvard, now at the University of Chicago, said in 2014 that he'd create life in his lab in three to five years. He did not. Professor Dimitar Seselov from Harvard University said in 2014 that life would be created in the lab in five years. It did not happen, not even close. Prebiotically relevant means that we are restricted to materials, procedures, and conditions that might have been available on an early Earth. These are the five criteria. These are the five criteria that have to be experimentally addressed in, order, in a prebiotically relevant manner in order to have a valid hypothesis for life's origin. We only have time for five tonight. Polypeptides, polynucleotides, polysaccharides, the origin of specified information, and the assembly of the above components into an integrated functional living system, namely a cell not merely a random mixture of these. If my opponent is unable to supply all five criteria for life, then we're currently clueless on the origin of life. But since I don't think he'll be able to supply even one of the five, it will show that we're not merely clueless, but utterly clueless. While some would like to portray me as one of the very few people that does not accept the hyped claims of origin of life researchers, I maintain that overconfident supporters of origin of life, like my opponent, are being abandoned by the origin of life research community itself. For example, Mr. Farina's own experts, whom he likes to cite, are now backing away from their own overblown claims. His often cited origin of life expert, Professor Jack Sostek, now says that aside from nature's construct of RNA, invoking of, quote, autocatalytic sets was never chemically realistic, unquote. Hence, the prebiotic relevance of autocatalytic sets crumbles it's over, according to Professor Sostek. His often cited origin of life expert, Professor Donna Blackman, now acknowledges that there are no known prebiotically relevant autocatalytic reactions that greatly enhance chirality of a substrate. The increases are minor. <clears throat> so, no need to waste our time tonight on autocatalysis. 
His own origin of life expert, Professor Stephen Banner, an enormous figure in this field, now says that any group of randomly synthesized RNA molecules would afford, quote, 10 million or 100 million more molecules that catalyze the destruction of RNA, unquote, than catalyze the copying of themselves, and quote, this will never give you life, unquote. <clears throat> Hence, the relevance of random RNA to make copies of itself bites the dust. It's over, according to Professor Benner himself. Origin of life expert James, <clears throat> Professor James Shapiro now writes, certain questions like the origins of the first living cells currently have no credible scientific answers, unquote. Evolution <clears throat> kingpin, Professor Richard Dawkins now says, quote, we know little more than Darwin did about how it got started in the first place. We have no evidence bearing upon the momentous event that was <clears throat> the start of evolution on this planet, unquote. My opponent's favorite origin of life expert, Professor Lee Cronin, now writes and says on multiple occasions that, quote, origin of life research is a scam, unquote, and, quote, there are lots of layers to the scam, unquote. A scam means a dishonest scheme or a fraud. It's beautiful. It's as if Professor Lee Cronin has been scientifically born again. <laughs> Mr. Farina. I respect your courage to be here tonight. It's too bad that origin of life researchers are not here themselves to defend their own data. Maybe they know the shallowness of their own research, while the less informed cannot assess the shallowness. I'm looking forward to seeing the data with chemical specificity. That's what I will be asking of you, so I'm telling you up front. Not the overblown titles, not their outlandish claims, not the once upon a time over a million years stories but the data to propose a valid hypothesis to the five criteria needed to build a living cell, thereby overcoming our cluelessness on origin of life. Thank you. Mr. Farina, your opening statement, please. Straight up. Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks to Rice University for having us here tonight. Uh, we are here because of James Tour. James is a chemist and also an apologist who lies about origin of life research on the internet. It's quite the double life. In order to understand why he does this, we turn to his faith. James has admitted publicly that he is a creationist. He believes that God created life due to religious scripture, which to him takes priority over scientific evidence. From his website, faith and belief go beyond scientific evidence for this scientist. Anyone who thinks this is not relevant to, this, to the discussion is delusional, as James is openly admitting that there's no science that could ever be done that will convince him that life was not directly created by God. He is ideologically bound to denying abiogenesis. He sometimes pretends to leave room for it, as he did just now, to seem open-minded, but he isn't. He's totally dogmatic. Therefore, his opinions on origin of life research are irrelevant, as he is approaching the field not as a scientist, but as a preacher. Of course, James pretends his rhetoric is scientific. He will bring up his H-index and list of publications. Less important is the fact that he has publicly admitted that his students do all the work and he slaps his name on the papers. Uh, more important is the fact that none of his research has anything to do with origin of life whatsoever and does not qualify him in this topic, which is not strictly synthetic organic chemistry as he claims, but also astronomy, geology, physics, and lots of other areas James is clueless about. When it comes to this topic, James is a YouTuber. His embarrassing commentary takes place exclusively on YouTube or in-person events for science illiterate Christians who share his biases and delusions. 
James knows that science is done through the primary scientific literature, and he knows that his inability to publish anything on this topic makes him completely irrelevant. That's why he regularly lies and pretends that he is published in this area, and his papers are ignored because of conspiracy. These papers are actually blog posts in Inference Review, launched by Discovery Institute propagandist David Berlinski, which is not peer-reviewed and exists for the sole purpose of making pseudoscience appear more legitimate. Jim's clueless ramblings do not even remotely resemble primary scientific literature, but he lists them among his actual science on his website anyway. Of course, when facing this topic, James somehow forgets what primary literature is supposed to look like. That's how he initially got into hot water, slandering Nobel laureate Jack Shostak. James was complaining about the prestigious journal Nature and what Shostak allegedly published in it and how it doesn't meet the typical standards of the journal. He called Jack a liar multiple times to the delight of his clueless, cackling audience. In actuality, it wasn't primary literature at all, but a web article meant for laypeople, and there were no lies or inaccuracies, as James continues to claim to this day. His profoundly unprofessional and defamatory behavior has only gotten worse as he now regularly attacks prominent researchers in this field or blatantly misquotes and misrepresents them. And that's why we're here, to highlight Jim's fraudulence. There is nothing to debate. The question as to whether we are clueless about the origin of life is idiotic. We aren't. Apologists like James train viewers to regurgitate the ridiculous lie that there's been no progress since the Miller-Urey experiment of the 1950s. In reality, we have multiple, multiple viable prebiotic synthetic pathways to all the relevant biomolecules and their polymers. And systems chemistry is showing us how sets of these molecules can have evolved over millions of years to produce the first protocell, which we will discuss later. James knows essentially nothing about any of it, but pretends to for his viewers who take him on blind faith, something they are quite comfortable doing. So we will get to James fumbling the science in a moment, but first it is important to establish that James is a brazen liar and charlatan in ways that everyone can understand without knowing anything about science. For example, part of Jim's script is to complain about the primordial soup model. He describes this as lightning striking some water and molecules form a slithering creature that crawls out. Uh, this is the dumbest straw man in history. Yet he insists that all these textbooks say precisely this, and it is taught to undergraduates as well as graduate students. In actuality, the textbooks look like this. They contain summaries of much of the research we will discuss momentarily. Syntheses of biomolecules, ribozymes, autocatalysis, and other complex concepts. So he's just lying. He's trying to make science he doesn't like seem infantile and stupid. Another way he downplays the validity of the field is to pretend that almost no one is working in it. He claims it's a boutique field with no more than a dozen teams examining the problem. That's a lie. There are thousands of scientists working on this all over the world. He needs to lie about this because it's much more difficult to claim that thousands of scientists are all either corrupt or stupid while only James knows the truth. A dozen is much easier to swallow, so he lies. He also pretends to be well-read in the subject. He isn't. He has admitted that he's read less than 5% of the lit literature on the topic, although in reality, over 3 million papers have been published since 2016, so he's read maybe a thousandth of a percent of the literature. More importantly, for the few papers he has read, the diligence he projects is a facade. As to anyone knowledgeable, he reveals a level of incompetence that is shocking for someone of his stature. Take, for example, this study by Stephen Benner, a researcher James regularly slanders. Here, Benner was showing nucleotide polymerization over basaltic glass to form RNA. 
James notes that Benner washes the glass thoroughly with hydrogen peroxide and ultra-pure water, and then throws his hands in the air about how this makes the study not prebiotically relevant, because he is washing away trace magnesium that would impede nucleotide polymerization on the early Earth. In his profound ignorance, James neglects to realize that basaltic rock is specifically rich in magnesium, information that anyone who had taken Geology 101 would know. Furthermore, he wonders where, oh, where could one find hydrogen peroxide and ultra-pure water on the early Earth, as though its use makes the study not prebiotically relevant. In reality, these are used to destroy biological material like bacteria that would contaminate the results. So, in fact, the washes are done specifically to make the experiment prebiotically relevant. This example is crucial because James will focus much of his empty criticism on claiming that research is not sufficiently prebiotic. But remember this example where James was so clueless that he does not even understand what the researchers are doing and why. This is his primary tactic. He skims the supplemental section of a paper, invents a technical flaw out of thin air, and pretends it negates the results of the paper, and by extension, origin of life research in general. But it gets much worse. James regularly botches concepts not just in geology, but also in his own field. For an example, we return to Benner's research where he synthesized ribose in prebiotically relevant fashion. James doesn't like it one bit, and when confronted with a 13 CNMR spectrum demonstrating the presence of ribose, uh, he not only pretends the data is invalid, but he goes to town with meme after meme, cartoon after cartoon, childishly mocking Benner for his garbage data. Here's his laughing Spanish guy meme where the whole crowd laughs in unison at the idiot Benner who thinks he got ribose when it's actually a mess of a billion compounds. But the joke is on James as his pathetic commentary reveals that he can't even read a 13C NMR spectrum, something he should have learned as an undergrad. James compares the spectrum to that of pure ribose when the sample is ribose borate, a different compound, with broad peaks due to rapidly interconverting forms. The billions of compounds are actually just noise, as the vertical axis is expanded to highlight the wider peaks. This abject failure has been confirmed by every chemist I've corresponded with, from Benner himself to J. William Suggs, professor emeritus of chemistry at Brown University and many others. The idea that James can't do something that an undergrad could do is astounding, and whether his brain ceases to function when examining this research, or he is deliberately lying to a gullible audience with no clue what he's talking about, his credibility is reduced to zero with this example alone. <clears throat> so that's a brief summary of James Tour. He's a toxic individual and pathological liar who actively promotes science denial and slanders diligent researchers. Or in my case, he scours the internet for clips of me in music videos to commit character assassinations. Or unleashes a barrage of insults about how Dave doesn't know chemistry, even though most of his students use my organic chemistry tutorials to get through his unbearable course. He baselessly shouts hype when his own research is full of hype. He whines about being accused of believing in the God of the gaps when he objectively does. He publicly calls for the halting of an entire field of science he doesn't understand just to shelter his fragile, archaic faith. But today, finally, with no desk to hide behind, every tactic will be elucidated in real time, and he will be made accountable for his lies for everyone to see. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I will. We now turn to uh, Dr. Tour, who uh, will ask a question. 
One of the things that we have to make in order to have life are polypeptides, where we take amino acids And these amino acids have to couple. And when they couple, it will form a dipeptide. This dipeptide is one of thousands and thousands and thousands that would have to form. If you were going to make a polypeptide, you'd need at least 100 of these for a very small polypeptide. <clears throat> Mr. Farina, show me the prebiotic chemistry that would do this coupling. Be my guest. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't need the board. I So this was my second prompt, so I guess we'll circle back to this, but um, yeah, you keep going, show me the references in your, uh, in your, in your content, but um, so you're missing a mountain of research, uh, literally a mountain of research that demonstrates this. So uh, here's one, condensation of amino acids to form peptides in aqueous solution. So we've got sulfur-4, oxidative model. Uh, carbonyl sulfide mediated, pep prebi uh, mediated prebiotic formation of peptides. There's another one. Uh, this that one does not do it, and the two you showed do not do it. This is called James. asparagine. D K. They do not do it with these. Okay, so what is the, Lehman's a fraud? Gadiri's a fraud? Are you ca calling them oh, fraud? They look, published look. a paper: carbonyl sulfide mediated prebiotic formation of peptides. So if you're saying they didn't do that, you're show me the example in there. I studied this. I looked over every paper you, you put up. Have never studied anything in this area. Are you kidding me? All you do is go show me the papers, and then I show you papers. Here, let's see if I can find that one exactly. Yeah, sh show me the one exactly that does this in a prebiotic fashion. Show me. It's not there. Okay. I'm asking you to come up and show me the chemistry. James, you keep I don't need to write papers. on the board. I brought actual papers. This is actual research. Okay, show me the paper. Show me in that paper this example. Okay, this is called. This, this is, is the one you wanted. Aspartic acid. James. This is called lysine. James, look. This is the Gadiri paper. Here's the scheme. You want to you go through that? that? But aqueous. Aqueous, room temperature, you get oligopeptides, okay? And it jumps to 80% yield with prebiotic oxidizing agents. But like not, not with this, because what happens is this would participate, this oh, would participate. Oh, you want to do the side chain thing. Okay, well, we've got research for that, too. The, the, of course, I'm speaking to the side chain. This is not glycine. Uh, That's not prebiotically relevant. What that has not nothing to do with prebiotic. Okay, that how about this one? That sulfur compound was made separately in dichloromethane using HOBT, which is a coupling agent designed by human beings for solid phase synthesis. Are, That's how they make the Are you the saying bio. sulfur is not available prebiotically? It doesn't matter what solvent H they use. No, HOBT was the, the compound, that SH compound that you just showed was made in a separate reaction. That was in, in a separate reaction, and he describes that. Okay. I can show you in the paper. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if you don't like that one, how about this powder one? Uh, Pounder, Jack's regioselective peptide formation. Acylated amino nitrile. Uh, right. 
Wait, hold on. I got the scheme here. It's not in there. You're going to look and look. It's not in there. I studied every one of your papers. Mm-hmm. Counter doesn't even use uh, amino acids. He uses an amino... Amino nitrile. Amino, that's a, amino nitrile. That's a totally that different paper. James, that's not the same paper. You're no, talking about a th- different there paper. There is no coupling. Look, he got coupling with lysine, regioselective lysine ligation, the most selective peptide ligation that tolerates all proteinogenic side chains. But he did he this does not with do all side an chains. amino acid coupling. He's got What are you zinc- talking about? Prebiotic catalytic peptide ligation. There's no amino acids there. He's yes, start- it's amino acids. Okay, so what go, are you go to the about? equation of well, that. Go to the equation of that. I don't have that one, but you're just lying. You're also no, I'm shifting not lying. the goalposts, though. I'll show you though, the paper. Because, by the way, you, you pretend that there are no papers, that there are no papers that show any peptide formation in water. I just showed you a ton. You're shifting but goalposts by complaining about the side chains. How am I shifting chains. the goalposts? These are the Be- ones you've got to do. If you, can, you can't do it with these active side chains. You cannot. But he did. Counter didn't do it with the active side chains. He used an amino nitrile. Okay, so there are no amino no, 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 acids. No, 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 James, you're talking about a completely different paper. Peptide ligation by chemoselective amino nitrile coupling in water. That that's is an amino nitrile. It's that amino is a nitrile. different paper. It's not amino acid coupling. Uh, I know, that's a different paper. He takes amino acid. This is just a different, this is different. He's not going through peptide bond formation. It's a different, right? So he, you have peptides, you have, you have amino acids condensing. That's peptide formation. He's figuring out a different synthetic pathway that doesn't do coupling, but it doesn't matter. There's a million of these, right? Condensation by wet-dry cycling. Hemoselective Not, nobody amino has done this. I'm asking you for okay. a specific reaction because half of the amino yeah. acids, half of the amino acids have active side chains, and these guys play this game of not including these ones that have carboxylic acids, not including the ones James, that have amines. This is an acylated... You can't do this coupling. Acylated amino nitrile plus unprotected amino acid uh, hydrolyzes the pH 7 right. to form a Wh- dipeptide. Which amino acid? Hydroxylated ones, never carboxylated, never the aminated. All proteinogenic side chains. All from Protein amino nitriles. James, I'm telling you, he did this with lysine, okay? So the side chain thing is not a problem. So forget the fact that you can't handle that, right, that peptide formation in water happens and has been demonstrated by about a dozen of these papers that I've shown you. Only now with an activator, as you said in your second series. Yeah, chemical your activator. Series, Prebiotically your first, plausible chemical activator. Your first activator. series, you never said this. As, with an activator, you're not coupling so for amino acids. Okay, yes, we've reached you're the not end. Coupling. We've Carbonyl reached the sulfide. end of the five minutes. Um, it now, it, it, yeah. <laughs> so I, I just have um, one quick comment going back to the NMR, and that is when chemists, organic chemists run NMRs, they typically don't run them with boric acid present uh, for a, um, uh, if you're going to run a um, uh, C13 NMR of ribose, you want the ribose to be as pure as it can possibly be. Um, but but he was doing chemistry on borate minerals. That's why it was ribose borate. Uh, so now it's your turn. To Sounds ask, good. Uh, yeah, we'll get back turn. to the peptides in a second because that was my second prompt. But um, <clears throat> let me... Uh, Okay, uh, so uh, we'll continue looking at research in a moment, but first I can't resist confronting James about some of these lies he's been telling, so uh, let's list a few and get some answers. So first, the textbook thing. Primordial soup model is lightning and then a slithering creature crawls out, and that's what all these college-level textbooks say. Uh, again, no, they don't. He made that up uh, like a liar. Next, this boutique field of a dozen researchers thing. 
Uh, of the millions of papers that comprise this field, I went through a handful of the ones I've read and made this list. There are thousands more. Pretty dumb lie, huh? And uh, let's add one more. Uh, when I had some scientists on my content to help expose James as a fraud, one of them was a friend of mine, organic chemist Bruce Lipschitz, who explained how James was objectively wrong about peptides being unable to form in water, as I just showed you, which I'll prove with about a dozen papers, or I did, and will continue to do so. Uh, this hurt James so badly that he spun a ridiculous lie about how I took an unrelated clip of Bruce and stuck it in my content behind his back. This was so idiotic that I had to get Bruce to make another statement specifying that I requested the clip from him and that I had permission to use it, though James did not have permission to share their email exchange. In his emails with Bruce, Bruce or in his emails with James, Bruce explicitly states that he was responding to the claims James had made. There it is in red, but his viewers can't read, so they just ate up the fabricated story. Now, again, remember, I'm demonstrating conclusively that James is a pathological liar. This is important because James also lies about science that goes over most people's heads. So by proving to you what a liar he is, you are now primed to realize how he is lying about all the complex details of origin of life research as well. This way, you won't just nod your head and assume James must be right. So uh, let's begin. Let's begin with the textbook thing. Um, why would you tell this dumb lie, James? Why would you tell this lie? This lie. Do you think you've been taught things that are nothing about molecules in the public? Okay, so there is a primordial soup model, and there is no understanding of what's happening in this primordial soup, and you talk to people, and this is exactly what they see. They talk about the primordial soup model in all of these textbooks. That's your question. This is the primordial soup model. It just means some molecules in water. That's what it means. Look, you were absolutely clueless on James. polypeptides. You never gave me the coupling for that reaction. I want you to notice, I'm gonna narrate. This is my time James. now. I want you to notice, no, no, no. he didn't answer the question. I invited him to come up to show me the chemistry, how this is done. No, I he did. did not, he did not. And now you want me to say, so now this is no, the question. The question I is, I just told you it. the He's primordial soup model James. is nonsense, and this is in these textbooks, you and this is taught over and over again. turning into slithering creatures is in textbooks? Show me the textbook. Show me the textbook that says molecules form into slithering creatures. Because this is Show exactly it. the model that the, mo the molecules come together. These form higher organisms that come out of the water. Molecules is, form higher organisms that come out of yes, the water. Yes, yes. Show me the textbook that shows I don't that. have the textbook. I because you. There I they are. There you. they are. The smelly soup model. There, you have the list right there. James, I showed That's you. That's from my, my video. You have the list. This is what the textbooks show. Ribozymes, autocatalysis, all does the that things text, that you No, no, no. Go, go, go back. Go back to, to my yeah. slide. Go back to my slide. There. Uh, yeah. Go back. No, this no, is No, 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 no. Go one forward. You show the text. All right. Now, don't change it. Now, which textbook were you referring? Because I said right there, it says miniature C, prebiotic soup. Those are quotes from... Each one of and those do they books show is in there. molecules forming a slithering creature? No, they don't, because that's a lie. And you're not going to run out the clock. How about the dozen people thing? Does that look are, like a dozen are, people to you? What I meant by that, the number of people that are doing the complex organic Sutherland powder type synthesis. This is exactly no. what Benner told you. No. Benner told you people that all it's over a the world. very Benner small. Told me 
I have hundreds no, of No, Benner told you on the, on the video that there's a, small, there's a small number of people that are still doing the Sutherland type of complex synthesis. He says most of the area Origin is not of doing that anymore. is a boutique community. It's a small number of people. It's a dozen people. It was in That's reference to the, no. the number of people that are doing the no. complex Sutherland type the synthesis. The Origin of Life community. The Origin of Life community. You're talking about the field in general. How about the Bruce thing? This was pretty dumb, right? He just took one of the guy's videos and stuck it because in? Because when Why'd I contacted Bruce, mm -hmm. Bruce said to me, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I was unaware Dave of this. asked me he to comment on email. some of your you're writings. You're not showing the whole email. And I specifically have... about what we are doing, and does this show No, why don't, why don't you show you the page? Why don't you show the page where he said, does I had no idea that this is wrong. there? Look, I published the whole email. Yeah, yeah you're and only here showing he the one. says that I asked for no, the video, and he's talking about you. And then here you go. No, you, you don't go, want to show the one he where he said, where he said I had no idea. I think he should apologize. You're not, not, not going to address anything on life. This was pretty. Can, this was a pretty dumb let's lie. Let's try this to have a, really a dialogue instead of people shouting at each other. So uh -huh. maybe take turns. I think an apology is in order for this lie, James. Pretty dumb lie. Pretty dumb lie to tell. I think we can all agree that we are establishing the pathological nature of his lying. Well, then you're blind. He just took one of the guy's videos yeah, and stuck it in. Uh, let's go back to the, uh, we have one uh, minute and 11 uh, seconds left. Nine, eight seconds. Well, it doesn't sound oh, like I'm going to get an apology and 11 seconds. James. Okay. As far as this, he says that I, I, I called Jack Sostek a liar. Yeah. I, I did. And I, and Jack Sostek sent me an email. He said, you were pretty hard on me in that talk. And I said, Jack, I'd like to call you to apologize because I was wrong to do that. I said, give me your number. He gave me his number. I called him. We spoke about this. He said to me, Jim, if you would join us in this origin of life research, we would get this thing solved. We had a very Why'd good conversation. Why did you say this was a you nature You totally article. made that up. Because if you had spoken to Jack Sostek, nobody made me apologize to him. I offered him my apology, Let me and show he you the primary it. literature, the journal Nature. And I apologize like to him. And you, but you continue to call his work uh, utterly no. What did you call it? Ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. About yeah, these it, it is utterly ridiculous. Yeah, when, he, when he says he's going to have life in his lab in three to five yeah. years in 2014, and now he says I can't even make the yeah, RNA. Who cares? Who cares? You lied about this. Look, the structures are... Oh, no, no. E e e that slide, you can speak to Jack Sostek. He said to me, Jim, that slide was not well done. That was a copy from another article in Scientific and American. And the structures are correct. No, Jack agrees with me. That was poorly done. There's no stereochemistry on so that what? sugar. When it's there's no stereochemistry, okay, it's not ribose. I'm going to call it close no to this part of the session. Uh, let's move on. It's um, Dr. Tours. Um, Two minutes Prior. to ask a question. Prior okay, my second question, question is... Uh, let's also try to uh, see if we can uh, stick more to the science instead of diagrams. Oh, I would show. love to stick well, to the science. Well, that was my only prompt for the lies. Right. It's important to establish Polynucleotides. that is a liar. Polynucleotides. You have to be able to make RNA.
You have to be able to take this molecule and hook it together many, many times to have a dimer of RNA, abbreviating the base this time as B, abbreviating the triphosphate as P3. What you have to be able to do is show me chemistry. I'm asking you specifically for chemistry, yep. not a bunch of nonsense here. Show me the chemistry not a bunch to get of this, this reaction to go such that you get coupling between the three prime hydroxyl to this five prime site. So you need three prime, five prime coupling to the exclusion of two prime, five prime coupling to the exclusion of branching. Every article that you cited in your videos, every article that you could ever cite that shows this coupling, shows this scrambling, you get significant amounts of 2,5, significant amount of branching. And that's why this chemistry doesn't work, and that's why your own expert, Jack Sostek, even says that Benner's work, Benner's work, where he, he talked about this thing, was, was just hyped up. There was nothing there because he says he went with the hype he did not go with, with, with okay, the, the right couple. Show me so the chemistry. Two minutes is Show me this chemistry. Okay, so first of all, this is completely idiotic. Uh, our, uh, nucle nucleotide polymerization has been demonstrated on Montmorillonite clay for decades. Yes, yes. With, with 30 to 70 Damn. percent to Damn. five. I asked you for three five, which is what you need to have life. Can you do me a favor here? Uh, I want you to read the, the title of that paper there. It's by your buddy, Jack Shostak. He's done some research on this. Yeah, I know. And Jack Sostek even says he cannot get it. Functional uh, art, except for tolerance for non-inheritable 2,5. How much tolerance? How much Montmorillonite clay is 30 to 70%. What's the first word in that paper? Functional. So we're talking about RNAs that still have catalytic behavior despite having a mixture of 2,5 and 3 prime. His, two, his amount of 2,5 to 3,5 is not 30 to 70%. If Jeez. you have... If you have a 0.1%, you're okay, because you'll no. have runs, but not 30 to 70%. Show me the amount. Your guy Deemer never tells us how much is there. James, this, look, the and research And Benner never told us how much is there. Functional RNAs. So it doesn't matter how much 2 prime, doesn't matter oh, how it, much 2 prime. Oh, it certainly He's does. And, and what about branching? My God. It's not there. It's not Let's there. See. Nobody has ever done this prebiotically. You're going to be looking through your papers a long time. It's never been done. Without an James, enzyme, it is never you been done. You are completely clueless. It's this over. Has been done. It's over. You can't make RNA. There's no life. You can't make RNA. There is no life. You haven't made peptides. You You're haven't right. made RNA. It's over. James, nucleotide polymerization has been demonstrated for decades on clay. You are literally pulling this out of your ass. This has been done for decades. You guys, none of you people know this research. None of you people know this research. You're just blindly trusting him. All right, let's try to, let's try to have some civility, please. The adsorption and polymerization of nucleotides on clay minerals has been demonstrated for decades. James is lying, and people who are cheering for him have no clue what he's talking about. You're just blindly believing him. I'm sorry.
Okay, let's look at let, let's look at it on clay. Here is, here is the reference on clay. Here is the reference on clay. Here, on Montmorillonite, what did he get? He got 67% 3-5, which means you have 33% 2-5 of the wrong linkage. One out of every three is wrong. Here he gets 75 to 80% 2-5. So now you have the vast majority 2-5. That's what you get on clay. It's right there, Montmorillonite clay. And it doesn't matter. That's what Shostek showed in One this paper. One out of three doesn't matter? No. The oh, it matters three, tremendously. Five to two, the three prime no, to two prime, no, no. If you, you have a fraction of it, RNAs. you're okay. One out of yeah. three, Jack Sostek would never... How much does he have there? How much does he have? Tell me, you read the paper. It, it says functional RNA. I haven't seen that, that paper. Means you're that bringing in other things. papers, which we agreed you would not do. James, you're, but, you're but, presenting and now yourself tell me as how an much expert in this Because I don't know. I've not read that paper. You read it. Tell me, how much 2.5 does he have? I don't remember All every right, single there detail we go. of the paper. You don't remember because you don't want to remember. You read the paper. You brought that in. We were not supposed to introduce any papers that had not been in our videos. That you agreed to. James, here's what would happen, though. If, if, this, if you genuinely cared about this question, what you would do is you would go to Google Scholar, and you'd put in some keywords, and you'd find this Shostak paper. You would not You're find that. You're hiding from Th it. That has a trace. You, you, on clay, you get 37%. This says 80%. You can't have one out of every three be a wrong linkage. You would never code for a peptide with that. It's over. How do you know? It says functional RNAs. You because have no idea what trace, RNAs do. Because it doesn't work. Do you understand that the RNAs have catalytic function? Right. Do you understand that RNAs no, have catalytic function? Even if you have function? the wrong enantiomer, it doesn't work. Even Donna Blackman has said that in the papers you that you no cited. You have no clue what Donna Blackman says. You quote mine her. You have no idea what her research is about. You just pretend to. Okay, so there we go. I asked him to come look, up here and show me the chemistry, just like I would do with a graduate still, student. I said, show me the chemistry. He function. did not. I mean, you Done. can say that. Done. You can't do this. You can't make you a can cell. Say you that, can't you do can that. Cheer, you can't make a cell. You're it's lying. over, buddy. It's over. Wow. Lies and cheers, amazing. Lies and cheers, incredible. So just from a chemical point of view, though, we would need to know what functional RNA meant. Having function catalytic properties. Function, I mean, because RNA has Look, many functions. It still has so. recognition and catalytic function. It lowers the melting point of the duplexes by de destabilization, so separation can occur under reasonable conditions. And what was the percentage? But you got everything else written down. What was James, the I don't know. I'm sorry I don't, that know. I don't have an encyclopedic you know, Benner's very careful. He would tell us. It's okay. in that paper because but that's what Benner. You're, you're I mean, basically I mean, got upset with Benner because he didn't do it. But Sostek would put that in no, the paper. No, that's another great one. The the Benner thing. Yeah, we're going to get to the Benner one. Okay, it's time to end that part, but I want to just pause. To have functional RNA, it has to do at least three things. It has to serve as messenger RNA, ribosomal RNA, and... No. Uh, 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 messenger uh, RNA, you're, messenger RNA, you're talking about features of modern cells. We're talking about prebiotic nucleic acids. But ultimately acids. has to do that. So what function is my question, did he show that it, 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 it uh, performed? Uh, it has to at least I mean, more, it, perform it, it, one of the three. Ultimately, it's going to have to perform all three. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's uh, replication. I'm not sure exactly in the context of the paper, but he's saying that two prime linkages don't matter. As though you people have any fucking clue what any of us are talking about. Oh, I know about RNA. No, you don't. You have no clue what either of us are saying. Deal with it. Answer the question. 
Anyone who thinks nucleotide polymerization to form RNA has not been demonstrated is clueless. It's been demonstrated by hundreds of researchers and is just Show us! Right here! I here. just showed you! Do it! You've got hundreds of examples. Show us! You won't come up. What you do you won't want do me it. to draw on the you board, James? What do you want you me won't to do draw it. on the board? Clueless. Okay, well, let's go to the next uh, uh, round. Uh, yeah, that's why I brought a bunch of research James pretends isn't real, and you're all pretending to understand right now. Google? What? Okay. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's go to the next round. Dave, you're next in terms of asking a question to All right. So we've been talking Dr. about Jordan. peptides and nucleic acids, so I'll give uh, a prompt on this too. So let's talk about biomolecules. Amino acids are ubiquitous and even form in space, and Strecker-like synthetic pathways have been known for decades. Amino acids polymerize to yield peptides. Again, James has humiliated himself even tonight, claiming peptides can't form in water, no matter how many references I show him. Here are some of the papers that we've been talking about. He keeps trying to talk about side chains because he hasn't admitted yet that this does happen. Peptide formation with uh, prebiotic chemical activators. There are countless studies uh, generating this. So the objections, like the reactions from side chains, I'm very sorry, but they have been addressed, showing regioselective coupling even for lysine. When he objects to this, he's just lying about what the paper is about. Then don't forget condensation by wet-dry cycling, as well as totally alternate synthetic pathways that don't involve condensation. Next, plenty of studies show prebiotic syntheses of nucleotides, and their adsorption and polymerization on clay has been studied for decades. These catalytic surfaces also protect RNA from degradation. <clears throat> this type of chemistry has been taken out of the lab and shown to work in prebiotic analog conditions, primarily hot springs where biopolymers form efficiently and become encapsulated in vesicles. James ignores all of this research and just complains about aspects of experimental setup, like running reactions under argon, which is done specifically to avoid contact with the oxygen that wasn't present on the early Earth. Or he pretends prebiotically plausible reagents like DAP are not prebiotically plausible by only showing research from the 1950s instead of current research. He will wonder how nature knew to phosphorylate the 5' hydroxyl to get nucleotides, oblivious to research demonstrating that protection by borate minerals yields precisely that. In general, he ignores decades of research and just spews his script about how we don't know how to get these molecules. But we do, so let's continue talking about this. Okay, so there were so many there. You know, this is called rapid fire, so that you can't answer anymore. I'm just showing you all, right, all the research. So, so you, you cited this paper where they used sulfur-4. Okay. This is, th this is not just water, it has activation. Once you activate, it is not amino acids polymerizing in water. As soon as you activate, it goes from being zwitterionic, it goes from being zwitterionic to being not zwitterionic. It functionalizes on the carboxylic acid. That proton gets freed up. That proton gets freed up on the amine, and then it can do the attack. You're describing so what they, the no, mechanism of amino acid No, 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 wait, wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. This is my, my section. Let me, let me get no, done here. this is us alanine, talking together. phenylalanine, and serine. That is what he used. Alanine, phenylalanine, he had serine, he had the OH. He never used the ones that have the carboxylic acid, the, the, the uh, aspartic acid that I told you, he never used the lysine. Yeah. This is the paper. That's you, why you, you couldn't get up, you are because this didn't goalposts. solve it. I read the paper. It didn't solve it. Look at the list. You claim Look that at peptide the list of, formation in water was impossible. Look at the list of, of the ones that he used. You claim that it's peptide... It's not there. James, 
You claimed that peptide formation in water was not possible. Countless no, times it was, in your oh, No, you said... You never you said, said that oh, these, it's, it, it no, happens, you said but not it with in lysine. your second series, you said with suitable activation. Yeah, That's chemical key, activation. Because they're no longer zvitarionic anymore. You said yes. it was... No, you Amino said, acid, you said peptide formation in water was exergonic. And in the very paper when you were showing Lee Cronin's work where he showed delta G was positive, it was endogonic, you said it's yeah. exer exergonic. No, I didn't say it was exergonic. You absolutely you did. You no. said it's exergonic. It's, it's, no, it's endergonic. I know that it is endergonic. No, Look at you this go slide. back to your video when you were discussing Lee Cronin's work, you said it's exergonic. No. Nature does this with chemical activation. And, and, the activation and it goes energy, back the other way. And then the barrier is very large. All right, did you, you have a, you're, you're flailing here. You asked here. me one specific Amino question. Amino acid, sulfur trioxide, dipeptide. What's wrong with that? All right, Explain I'll, I'll tell me. you what's wrong. Don't move your slide. Oh, Don't yeah. move your slide. Okay, I'll no, tell I'm you what's wrong. You look right there. You look right there at the first one is alanine, phenylalanine, alanine, phenylalanine, serine, phenylalanine. None of them bear a carboxylic acid side chain. None of them bear an amine side chain. Again. Don't you see how he cherry picked this goal thing? Posts. So it can only. Goal I'm posts. not moving any goalposts. Is, is this prebiotically plausible pep di dipeptide formation? Not, Did you give that? not the dipeptide I showed you. you for these if you don't even have one, if you don't even have one. Yes, this you only gives you the, it doesn't give you the functional ones. Amino acid, sulfur trioxide, no. dipeptide. Only for half of the amino acids. So what? What do you mean, you, so what? But you're not you even conceding that. You have to have 20 you're amino acids that. participating. They load the chemistry. They keep selecting the ones that only work under their conditions. They can't do it with the free carboxylic acid. They you, can't do it with the free You pretend amino. that peptide bond formation in water is impossible. I've showed you all of that I didn't say research. it's impossible. If you have activation, you only said that in your second series, and you know it. No, you've never you said know it. No, you've never said with activation it's possible. You keep saying it's impossible, and you even play the clip of me going, I have references, and then you just cut it oh, off. Only, and you continue to pr don't pretend you that understand? the research is in there. Of course, I explained this to you, even with Bruce Lipschitz's, was proper activation in his... Bruce in, Lipschitz's uh, research was not prebiotically relevant. I never said it was. I was just having a chemist explain how you're wrong, because it's useful. No, no, but I'm saying the activation part was there. The activation part... You what, have another what specific What does that have to do with sulfur trioxide? Bring up another picture. Are you, you saying another, sulfur trioxide came with, is not with rapid fire. I, can, I, I only remember this one. Do you have another question for me? Huh? You have another question for me? The question... Come on, bring it there, on! There's no question. I explained a bunch of research about peptides and RNA that you're pretending isn't real. Right? You're just shifting the goalposts about lysine, and I'm showing you another paper. Mr. Farina! Here! What go, do you go, want go, me... Go! 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 You don't do it. You why, just talk, talk, why, talk. Why Show would me I the chemistry. Try, why would I try to draw I told you I would speak to you as I would speak to any James, graduate student. And I, I would tell them to come if, to the board and write. This, come to the board and write. If I wrote Show this me the chemistry. on the board, would you suddenly accept it? Why are you so obsessed with me using Because chalk? you can't show a chemistry that's going to give you the 3-5 to the exclusion of the 2-5. You're, two, five. you're you mentioned jumping around like crazy. And I showed you 37%. This 37%. is called the Gish Gallop, everybody. This is called the Gish Gallop. Oh, peptides. You got peptides? Okay. You don't get the lysine residue. Oh, you got the lysine residue? Well, you can't get the two prime linkages. Oh, they got the two prime linkages? They can't get this. This is his tactic. I'm showing a mountain of research that invalidates all of his objections, and he's just denying it. I don't care what any of you guys are saying. None of you, none of you 
have any capacity to read this literature, and you're just blindly believing okay, James. You have no this, idea what he's talking about. Let's close this session. I have a couple of comments. One is we'll have uh, the opportunity for the audience to ask questions at the end. So uh, we'd appreciate it if the audience would not ask questions at this point. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, number one. Number two, I want to make sure everybody in the audience understands the term exergonic and endergonic. So that has to do with the free energy change, the standard free energy change uh, in a chemical reaction. If the standard free energy change in a chemical reaction is negative or um, uh, exergonic, it means the reaction goes in the direction as written. If it's positive, that's endergonic, and it goes in the other direction. Yep. So just, just to, to, to uh, clarify that. And, uh, and modifying the carboxyl moiety makes the reaction with the amino group work. So that's great. Okay, and then lastly, um, the uh, argument that you guys are having, the debate, I should say, that you're having about the um, uh, nucleosides, I don't hear anything about the stereochemistry. Uh, I, I've already given him the stereochemistry of all small it, molecules. But it's, it's I've conceded that. That's my third prompt, so we'll, I've conceded we'll, we'll get to homochirality if that's going to happen enough, in a second. Fair enough, but so yeah. important, of course. Yeah, it's very important, but I conceded it so I can just get to these other things. Right. Okay, polysaccharides. I want to take two of these and couple them together just to make a dimer. That's it, just to make a dimer here. Make a disaccharide of glucose. What we've established here is that in this coupling, this is down. This is the alpha configuration at that center. We've also established that this hydroxyl did not participate. This hydroxyl did not participate. This hydroxyl did not participate. In order to do this biologically, not prebiotically, but biologically, you have to use an enzyme that has about a thousand, about a, a, a thousand amino acids in it. So the probability of that forming randomly would be 20 to the thousandth. I mean, it's, it's just a crazy big number. If something's bigger than 10 to the 50th, you don't have enough time in the universe. Here, you wouldn't have enough time in a billion, billion, billion universes. Is there any chemistry that you can show me that's prebiotically relevant that would do this coupling? And you will say, oh, I argue that only enzymes can do this. You don't have any enzymes because you couldn't make them here. You couldn't make them there. No enzymes. You're lost. You don't, we already established you don't have enzymes. There's no enzymes yet Shouting on the prebiotic totally You couldn't make them. You're clueless on that. Okay, time, okay, is, well, time is up. I showed peptide formation and I showed RNA formation. 
And this entire talking point is a non-starter. When you can't do it with half of the amino acids, you didn't make it with the peptides. When you no. can't control that 2,5 linkage that's 30 to 70% 2,5, you haven't made any functional mm. nucleotide. Okay, so you're you don't have those Shostak, two. You're calling Shostak a liar because functional RNA was the first two words in the title of the paper. So you're actively yeah. calling you remember Shostak what I told you about the title of paper? Again. Remember what I told again. you about? It's a bunch of hype. That's why I said, Mr. Farina, show us the data. Show us the data. And you said you read the paper and I you did, couldn't though. find out. I showed you, you a bunch of papers. You couldn't find in there how much 2,5 he has. You just start Sussex looking and people careful. clap for he you. Would, he would supply that okay, number. Okay, James, so check it out. You're, you're, you're completely unhinged and wrong about everything we said about polypeptides and polynucleotides. However, let's take that out of the equation, okay, because you said you're going to give me all the molecules, whatever you said earlier. Will you concede that this is a perfectly viable explanation for biologically relevant polysaccharides? You only came out with that in your second series. In your first video on me, on your first video, second you series. said, these just keep hooking on the end. Only when I nailed you on it did you come out in the second, in Jeez. your second one and he, say, he oh, said, I meant said, it had enzymes. Okay, no, he's, no, and in truth, with enzymes all, you can get it, but you don't no, yet have you're enzymes. You're talking about peptides. You don't you're have just enzymes. lying about what That's I said. That's why I put polysaccharide number three to show okay, that you so, can make so enzymes. You're wrong, and we do have enzymes, but if you'll grant me the enzymes anyway in this magical world that you've invented, uh, where, will you concede that this is a perfectly viable explanation for biologically relevant polysaccharides? Enzymes did it, just like they do today. Can you wrap your head around that, James? Uh, give, give me a minute to, to wrap my head around Give me a minute this, to please. know what enzymes just, just, are just and what me, they do. Just, just give me, give me if a minute. If enzymes exist, can we get biologically relevant polysaccharides? Yes or no? Here is the enzyme the that yes. do this. This is the enzyme that does this. It is 98 kilodaltons. It's 20 to the 842. Mm -hmm. That's 10 to the 1094 yeah. possible scenarios. If you have now, anything more I, Is that than the enzyme that does this today? To the or 50th, is that the enzyme that does You don't have enough time in ago. our universe. In 14 billion years. Wow, big numbers. Big numbers, yeah, guys. Yeah, big numbers. So this is the type of so enzyme James, that you would have to James, have. So this is an enzyme that exists today. Yes. And is the product of 4 billion years, or however many billion years of evolution. Not sure when this exactly came about. Is it possible that another enzyme that doesn't have this exact sequence could perform this chemistry? Yeah? Well, let, let's take a look at that. I mean, In, or you could no, just no, answer let, the let question. No, no, let me tell you something. Let's take a look at that. This is a little molecule, right? This is uh -huh. a little six-carbon molecule. Sure. You know how much it took to make this? It takes 11 enzymes, four of them unique, and four activators, and these 15 steps today to make it. You're telling me on an early Earth there was some enzyme that magically wait, wait, put are, this are you, molecule you're, together. You're, this takes 14 enzymes. You're talking enzymes. about a monosaccharide? This is, this is James, remember Benner's monosaccharide. research? Remember monosaccharide. Bonner's this is 10 to the 65,000. Foremost makes sugars. Foremost reaction makes sugars. What are you talking about? You're talking but about ribose? Because they've never been able to separate those. They've never huh? been able to use those sugars for anything. Because what do you mean? They're, because they're so contaminated. Name me they're one so person that has no. Name me one person. Mm -hmm. One person that has made a stereo-controlled reaction to make glucose. Stereo-controlled reaction to make glucose, and that could ever separate it from the mess that you get. Why Zero. Would they, why Nobody. would they have to separate it? Nobody. Why would they have to separate it? You have to separate why? it. Why? You have to separate it in the lab because you need to characterize it because you're a chemist. No, because Nature doesn't no, need to, to take do that. it on to the next step. There's so many. You, what, Molecules what, 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 that are in a what mixture did, can't did, do chemistry? What, what did Lee Cronin tell you? 
in the foremost I don't know, reaction, he's not my you favorite get billions, scientist, like billions of compounds. Yeah. In seconds to hours, you get yeah. billions. And that's why they do all this research on mineral surfaces, because it tamed the mineral surface taming the common The mineral surface didn't take care of it. You want to no, get into did. what Benner did? Remember the NMR spectrum? Remember okay. the billions the, the, of the, compounds me, okay, and the want, NMR you want spectrum me to that you can't Benner's read because problem? you're a buffoon? Here's Benner's problem. All right, you want me to address that? We'll address it. Right, Foremost here, he, gives here, you here. sugars. I'm sorry, James. I don't know what to tell you here. You're just in denial of reality, and it's unfortunate that you cannot read a 15th okay, here's, here's Benner's reaction to make his, his four comments. Sure. Here, here's his reaction, okay? So here he goes through this. What did he do? Here's the experimental procedure. What he did is he silated it. He silated it with this N-O-bis trimethylsilo trifluoroacetamide. He silated it, he ran, and then he filtered it twice. It was filtered twice before it ever got on the GC to filter out many of the things. That because he, he's and, doing characterization, and, James. No, no, no. He has to no, verify he's trying to, you know, what he's he telling got. us he made four compounds. Here, here's the four compounds he says he made, okay? James, do you understand? But what do you think all these other peaks are? What are all these other peaks that he's yeah, even he filtered got out? five now, different sugars. Now, he, let, let, let's even just say it was four. Let's say he just made four. This is pathetic. No, no. The, You're covering me, me, for the fact what, that you let, can't let read go a 13 CNMR spectrum. Here he gives his half-life. He gives the half-life of each of these compounds on his borate glass, on his culminite. Here is the half-life. You know what half-life means? That in a few hours, half of it is decomposed. What did it decompose into, Steve Benner? I asked Steve Benner this very question. You said it has a half-life. What did it decompose into it? And then these he never got back to you because he's tired and of you know what Steve Benner said to me? You know what Steve Benner said to me? He oh, said nothing. He answered every other question but that. Then, so I wrote to him. Back in January, I tried to understand from him how did he get that. Now, let's even say, let's say he did have just four compounds, and he made 200 MERS. That would give you 10 to the 120 different RNA molecules. 10 to the 120. Remember, 10 to the 50, 10 to the 90 is the number of elemental particles in the universe. Okay, we're a little in the bit. universe. These numbers this are guy made Dr. 10 to the 120 different molecules. It's totally useless, totally useless. Have you seen this, this one by do. Joyce? We're a little bit over, so we need okay, to go I'm now done. to the next uh, All right. volley. <laughs> so, who asks now? Uh, okay. Is that me? All right. Uh, let me get to my start, okay. <clears throat> Okay, let's talk homochirality. Living organisms use L amino acids for proteins and D sugars for nucleic acids. I've given acids. you all the Many... chirality. I've given it to you. Yeah, this is my two minutes, James. Keep quiet. <laughs> so first it should be noted that Dave doesn't know chemistry. Farina had to teach James the definition of homochiral. He was using it improperly. But more importantly, James either fumbles or ignores all the research in this area. This all started when I cited a singular paper talking about stochastic crystallizations of amino acids. In his content, James deflected to another paper, complained about EE and yield for a while, and totally ignored the data in the paper, referring to this train wreck as having a field day compared with my ability to actually discuss the paper properly. If James would like, I can get him up to speed on stochastic crystallization tonight. But to give a brief overview, we know that threonine and asparagine crystallize as one enantiomer. Research has shown glutamic and aspartic acid to do the same under metastable conditions, plus co-crystallization of all others in tandem with asparagine at yields and EEs James pretends aren't real. Beyond this, derasmization has been demonstrated via sublimation, so even racemic crystals can become enantiopure. 
Donna Blackman has done a lot of work in this area, so James decided to quote mine her like crazy in his content, pretending some things she said about parody violation somehow describe homochirality in general. In reality, her review, Spoilt for Choice, from way back in 2007, already summarizes many of the ways homochirality can have come about, which means we don't know precisely how it happened, only because we know of so many feasible options. Then there is research showing how homochirality can have evolved at the polymer level rather than the monomer, but still prior to the emergence of life. And then more research discussing homochirality after the simplest life emerged. Here is a handy chart depicting all the possibilities, so there are lots of places for us to begin this discussion. Okay, I, I just want you to understand what the man has just done and he keeps doing is he's reading exactly the script from his YouTube video. He cannot speak chemistry no, on the fly. He's reading the debate. script from his YouTube video. That's I mean, exactly I'm what not, he's doing. So, I wrote so, this for so this let me answer this. Because it's two you, minutes, you, you, and I like to pack. Look, in a lot I've of already given him the chirality. I, I gave it to him, but he has to come back to this because yeah, he's got but nothing else. Yeah, you keep saying we're clueless right, about so homochirality. Your article so we're talk for about choice. It. What you said, your exact words—they're here on the screen. You said, Mr. Farina, you said, spoiled for choice, we know of too many ways that homochirality can have arisen to say for certain which one it was. Her own words, unquote. I got this from his YouTube video. Well, that's not what the title is. Let's read the title with me. Spoiled for choice, assessing phase behavior models for the evolution of homochirality. Wow. He said the title was one thing and it's a totally different thing. Now, he goes on. Let, let's look at the paper. Let's look at the paper. Now, she says, she's giving here, she says, in this magazine, Chemistry World, which is not a mainline journal, she oh. says they are talking about models and she's disagreeing with them. He says they are saying it's spoiled for choice. This is not what she's talking about. She's talking about phase behaviors here. So this is, this is the magazine she was quoting from. And then she says, solution solid equilibrium, time is on our side. Dave yeah. says phase time behavior. is on our side means that, James. that time doesn't hurt us in this. That's not what she meant. She's just using this as poetry in the sense that she says the next one, good things come to those who wait. James, you, shed, so you th said that, show me the data. You, you yeah, I'm, I'm showing data? you the data. What you she remember shows when you couldn't no, read what this she, paper? What it was she really shows funny. in her own paper, she shows two methods, a kinetic method and, James, and a thermodynamic you're method. You're running out the clock. The I don't know what you're talking about. I showed you I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. The thermodynamic method and the kinetic method. So here she says, simply sublime. Are you going to say that that means something? No. She's yes, just using it means the term. something. Now Your look at her references. So here's the reference section. You, Do you go know what to sublime those means? references. Do you know what her sublime own means? references. Sublimation. Of course, sublimation. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Sublime. This is what she's saying. Simply sublime. It means sublimation. She's not. There's nothing deeper so, here. You're trying to say that there's something deeper. The time is so on our this side. Is a, you this even is said a method, in the video. James this is has a to understand by which that. Crystals okay. And it so become in Nancy Let's, let's look at her papers. You're let's look at the papers that she cites. This is a review article. So we go to the exact papers. Here's her exact paper. She's using chloroform. She's using DMSO. How relevant is dimethyl sulfoxide and chloroform in a prebiotic You're cherry sense? cherry picking. A lot yeah. of people do this in what water. What do you mean I'm cherry picking? You put it under non-prebiotic conditions, you can get synthetic chemistry to go. This is from Donna Blackman's own paper. This is the paper she cited in the review. The review doesn't give you detail. Then. You look up You're the other. You're cherry picking this one is, aspect wait, of review. This is her review article. Let's Remember look at another Remember when I said paper. he combs the experimental here, section here for a tiny detail paper, he thinks invalidates the Here is the, the study. paper for sublimation. All right? Here's the paper she cites for sublimation. You look it up. This is the paper by Cooks. 
What you do is you, you take your material here, you take your material, and you, you put it in this... Uh, what does it have to do you, with the you, origin you, of you, life? You, you, because we're going to see if it's really prebiotically relevant. You put it in a hot tube that's at, at 175 degrees, and right next to it, you put a collection system that's at minus 78 degrees. Yeah, on an early Earth, that's really going to be possible. And, and, and so you have something 175 degrees, something at Was minus 78 degrees, and it's sublime. Pre now, 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 no, wait a minute, wait a minute, You're I'm not done. So she says it's sublime. She says in order for this reaction to All work, right. she says this is her own paper. This is your paper, the one she cited. He sa she says, if the first enantiomeric imbalance was brought to Earth by fractionation of the organic space yeah, dust, which is totally possible. by a sublimation, and then it landed in a pond, and magically crystallized under these very stringent chloroform GMSO conditions. You couple these two crazy hard things together, then maybe when we could get When the temperature goes there it down, is. things That's your crystallize. Paper. That's Holy your paper. Smokes. Read the paper. Look Dave, at the experimental. Look at the references. You're just, it can't be this done. Is complete it's going to be coming from one thing to the other. Can't Dave, be done. Do you understand that we can get enantioenrichment by co-crystallization? You're going all over the place just so that you don't have to talk about the papers I'm showing you. Do you see all 12 of these amino acids are resolving at once? It's stochastic, so it's random every time, and you can get very high EEs. I'm not, Remember I, when you I've conceded it all real? to you, but I'm telling you, these are under amazingly stringent conditions. But they aren't. That are very but they hot. aren't. But they aren't. But they are. But no, they are. But I they showed aren't. you the setup. I showed no, you the setup. You showed, me a, you showed me something that Donna referenced as a proof of concept that she then takes into account for origin of life research. But you have to do that. Paper. No, no. The sublimation. She's saying this sublimation is chemistry that has been look, demonstrated. I've given with you some even apparatus. the amino acids I cited in that paper. That paper, you got one percent of the pure material. You got one percent. It's one, a very difficult thing. But anyway, I've conceded you that. You have to made you. a ten-hour course keep, on abiogenesis. You keep coming back and you to say homochirality. We're clueless about it. You just said homochirality. Oh. Oh, there's the word. There's the word. Homochirality. You, you used it over and over again in your videos until you talked to Donna Blackman. You used it over Ooh. and over again. You yeah. have many references to homochirality referring to small molecules. Content, you talk about how we're clueless about homochirality all the time. That's why I show this to show okay. you that we're not. All right. Crystallization. Okay. Sublimation. Okay, time, These are processes time to move by to the which next this round. happens. Thank you. You can't hide forever, James. Can't hide forever. Just a uh, quick comment about homochirality and enantiomerically pure. Uh, they uh, started as different terms, but chemical technology and um, not, not technology, but t uh, uh, chemical nomenclature changes all the time. And there's been a blending now of uh, people using homochirality when they mean enantiomerically pure and vice versa. So I've so never heard anyone say homochiral glucose and have that mean something. Uh, accurate. Uh, and, and we used to talk about stereospecific reactions and stereoselective reactions, and those have become blended now. Mm -hmm. They yep. have very those uh, also mean firm, different things, firm uh, uh, definitions, mm -hmm. but they're unfortunately used interchangeably, and that happens with, that's already happened. That's just that an error, happens. though, because they do have very specific definitions. But, but, but like, uh, but organic chemistry is a language, and languages change, mm -hmm. nomenclature changes as well. Mm -hmm. Over time. So yeah, but specificity and selectivity mean different things. So I think we should push back on stereo, people. Stereo selectivity and stereo specificity. Yeah. Or okay, can, 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 can we get on? Because we got to. Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> Specified information is the next piece. Specified information. We have to have some information for the coding in a cell. P 
Here is Lee Cronin, your favorite what counselor favorite? on Origin about? of Life. Here's what he says. He says, because there's some contingent information embodied outside the genome. He goes through and he says how people have claimed to have made cells. This is where he's explaining what he means by origin of life research is a scam. It is a scam. I say they're clueless. He says scam. Take whichever term you want. This is his favorite guy. He's come around. He's born again now. He That's says, but coming back guy. to the scam, the scam is if we just make this RNA, we've got this. You know this fluke event? We know how that's simple. Let's make the phosphodiester, let's make ATP. We've got that part nailed. Let's now make another molecule and another. And how many molecules are gonna be enough? And then he describes Craig Venter's work, which I talk about all the time. And he says, uh, he says, Venter says he made life. He says, not quite. He facsimiled a genome from this entity and he made it and he, in the lab. And then he put it into an existing cell. He said, he. He had to take an existing cell that has a causal chain going back to LUCA. LUCA is, is the last universal common ancestor, not the first cell, but the cell from which all other cells on Earth are presumed to have come. He says there was something outside of this. He says you couldn't make a cell from scratch. He says, but even today, all of synthetic biologists cannot make a cell from scratch because there's something contingent information embodied outside the genome of the cell. This isn't Jim Tour, the religious guy, saying this. This is Lee Cronin, the non-religious guy, saying this. He's seeing what I see. This is what I'm saying. Where does the specified information come from, Mr. Farina? Where does it come from? Tell us. Here, take the chalk. Write it for us, Any, anywhere you take want. Take the chalk. Write it for us. Tell us. Don't Where show me research. From? Take the chalk. Please, take the chalk. Uh, okay, so Venter is a synthetic biologist. He's not an origin of life research, researcher. Uh, so that is not actually terribly relevant. There's some overlap, but that's not how life began. So when you take extant life and strip things away, that is not directly addressing the origin of life. So you're Where's taking a completely different field. Information is in nucleic acids and peptides. No, that is, that is like that, that. Nucleic acids don't convey information? Are you joking? There, there, is, there is no information there to give you the prescription you need. What, what do you, you mean, what, no information? Because what I'm telling you is it has what is called Shannon information. It's information from randomness, which is not the specified. The sequence of monomers you need is the, specified is the information. information. This man is seeing it. Even Benner. Your the be sequence you, you, you of, want to of quote monomers what Benner is the says about this? I mean, I, I, mean I, I have that quote too. Benner sees the same thing that I'm seeing. He says it's informationless. James, I find it hilarious that you continue to pretend that origin of life researchers are pretending that origin of life research is invalid. Don't you think that's a really dumb lie to be telling? You're, you're definitely just pretending. You're taking, uh, he's having a, a, a lighthearted podcast conversation and you're pretending that Lee Cronin is going, origin of, life research, origin of life research is stupid. All of my work is stupid. Why would you think anyone would believe that? This okay, is here he is. He wrote it, here he puts up this tweet. Origin of life research is a scam. Somebody says, why? He says, because no one is really trying to actually answer the question or thinks it can be done. Okay, so. There it is, Lee Cronin. Yeah, an origin He's of life researcher is. He's sitting in his office tweeting is, is, his stuff. An origin this of is life researcher is admitting that his entire body of work is meaningless. That is really. No, he's not saying he's his entire body of work is meaningless. He's come and he's being, to a realization of this. If we're being honest, he's slightly come to a He's come to a realization by looking at the data. He the came material to Jesus. must have come from he outside came to Jesus, the genome. everybody. 
Yes, Lee Cronin is pretending all of his work and that of all He's of his colleagues is meaningless. He's your favorite advisor. James. He's your man. Over and over oh, again. You gave, you wrote him, it on the you gave him half of an entire video of Lee Cronin. If I write not clueless, do I, clueless. Does, that, does that win? <laughs> James, you're bringing up synthetic biology because you refuse to engage with the actual research of systems chemistry, which is my next he, prompt. So he's the one who that. said synthetic biologists can't do he's this. He's a synthetic he says, biologist. He says, he's he, not he an says, origin of life researcher. Synthetic biologists he's cannot building make a self mimics of current extant life. Yeah, nobody he's trying can do to build this, a bacterium, good enough. which is good not enough directly related to origin of life Why don't you make research? it happen? What do you the mean? reason you don't do it because you, the reason you think these guys have everything is because you're very shallow in your understanding. You believe this James, nonsense that they put in the title. It said spectrum. it in the title, so it you has to be. I told you the titles are touch. hyped. They are hyped. Look at the data. I urged you in my opening statement. Look at the data. Thousands of researchers, nothing but hype, and only James is right. That sounds really realistic, huh? I'm 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 done. I mean, I've, I've yeah. You want to go on to the next one? Yes. I've got one more prompt, and that's it. So, let's do that. Oh, one. I've got plenty. I've got plenty. <laughs> yeah. I got sure plenty that. of barriers you got to get by. Well, the we last don't... one being assemble you a cell for me. Your prompts are all just clueless because I so say so. So we don't have a lot of time. So. so it really is going to only be one more okay. volley. All right. Okay. Just well, me. All right. So finally, we get to the most important concept that James is desperately ignoring. This is the one that debunks his idiotic straw man, where he wonders why nobody can synthesize a living cell. After all, if abiogenesis was some molecules floating together and boom, life exists, why can't scientists do it? Well, newsflash, nature also didn't do that. What current science suggests is that RNA molecules with catalytic properties called ribozymes came about, and uh, some of these became self-replicating. And then systems of RNA and proteins enclosed in vesicles complexified over millions of years until a protocell was formed. Of the mountain of relevant literature, here are just a few that show how ribozymes form cooperative cycles and networks, engage in self-sustained replication, and have been demonstrated to evolve by natural selection. James is allergic to discussing anything that invalidates one of his mantras. Selection doesn't happen on the molecular level. This is objectively false, and it is the key phenomenon that led from systems of random biomolecules to the first living organism. In order to hand wave away this research, James makes completely unsubstantiated claims like how replicators can only copy 10% of themselves. Nope, fully self-replicating ribozymes were shown as early as 2002, in some cases exhibiting Darwinian evolution, with many other examples by various mechanisms since then. And as early as 2013, ribozymes catalyzed synthesis of RNA longer than itself. Every time James whines about aspects of modern eukaryotic cells that are a product of four billion years of evolution, like CISS, interactomes, or anything having to do with DNA whatsoever, he's just desperately avoiding this mountain of science. He's never read any of this literature. He can't even define the word autocatalysis, despite me having taught it to him. And why? Because self-replicating molecules that evolve by natural selection that sounds just a little too relevant to the origin of life, now doesn't it? Good reading skills. Yeah, yeah, tremendous reading skills. I'm telling you, he's reading from yeah. his videos. You, you don't have to watch his videos, he just read it. The man cannot speak. I, I guess the chemistry. research okay. isn't real he because has people I wrote writing words this text for him and he comes in here. I guess the research isn't okay. real because so, Dave wrote so words and read them. So let me answer your question. 
You in, people in your are last, idiots. In your latest video, you said, because I say, well, why don't you just take a dead cell and bring it back to life? Because at least everything is kind of there. And he says, oh, you know, and he says, but it actually has been done. He actually says the words, it has been done. James, why, why he, are you jumping to a completely different topic? We're talking no, about systems No, because chemistry. we're talking about cells. We're talking about the bringing this back to life. Was this systems man, chemistry. This man stood there and said the that they took was dead cells chemistry, and they brought and them back to life. And he's talking about something completely unrelated. Do no, you wonder this why? Is, this is because he cannot address this research. Because he's talking about something totally different. He is a gish galloper, no. like Kent Hovind. You, hey, look over here. We don't want to talk no, about you this have research. To, you have we to take that and apply it. You want to apply that. You have to bring. You said that they took dead cells because the pig was dead. James, and so the cells must have been dead, is too. This an Let me tell you what we do in our laboratory. We will take a rodent that is dead, take its leg, and keep the cells alive for a week. It was never dead. dead you cells. said after an hour it came back alive. It was never dead, Dave. Totally misinterpreted yeah, that no, article, like all but, your articles. But back to what I was talking about, do you agree that this research shows replicators that evolve by natural selection? Because it does. No. Do you? No. no. Oh, okay, so, so Gerald no. Joyce is a fraud. You're calling Gerald Joyce a fraud right now? You should no, be careful right now. No, because he doesn't copy DNA. How much of the DNA did he copy? You uh, read the paper, uh, I read the paper. Fully self-replicating. Fully self-replicating. No, he did not yes. fully self-replicate yes, it. There's not more than 10. Show me, show me. You got the what paper there. No, no, show it. No, <laughs> no. He, RNA he, enzyme, dude, these are completely yeah. fully self-replicating. Without an You're enzyme, it has never been shown without an enzyme. Do you know what self-replicating means? It, without an enzyme, it has never replicated more than 10% of itself. An autocatalyst is a catalyst look, that makes look, itself. They, from they, the pre Mr. Farina, you have the paper. Show us okay. in the paper. What you do have you mean, it? show you the paper? This is the paper that show you're pretending. Show me how much. Did he say that the whole, how much of it was self -replicating. Fully self-replicating. Fully self-replicating, Not fully self-replicating. Not. No. It is not. It is, no, nobody has ever okay. copied more than 10% uh, without okay, an enzyme. Uh, but I don't it, believe it, no, that. But no, but it is. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We've got a lot of these. Uh, where are they? Okay, well, I already showed them. Yeah, self-sustained replication of an RNA enzyme. Cross-replicating RNA enzymes complete, un undergo self-sustained exponential replication. Huh? How much was replicated? How much? James, fully re replicated. It is not fully replicated. No okay. way. There is no what way. Do, what I we're seeing even right asked now Jack is Sostek. James I asked Jack Gerald how much Joyce of this is fraud. replicated. It okay. is not fully replicated. If yeah, it was fully you're, replicated, you're he it's, would have said it's fully replicated. It 20 is not. 20-fold amplification. They take a long bit, and they, they duplicate this much of it. James, how would it retain catalytic even, activity? Even if they could, even if they could, <laughs> okay. even if they could duplicate the whole so thing, you're James still stuck. James is baselessly denying a body of work and pretending that no one will notice and pretending that you, and hoping you'll from? just believe him. Where we did it come from? You couldn't make it. And you oh. can't assemble a cell and you can't bring one back Switch to life. Switch to something else, right? Switch to something else. Don't look. Don't look at this research. Don't look at fully self-replicating molecules. I guess if I write clueless a bunch of times, I won the debate, right? Should I write not clueless? James, I've showed you prebiotically 
plausible routes to all of those molecules. All of these you did not show. I asked you specific chemistry. All you can do is write one word. You showed us all no chemistry because you understand zero. You understand none of it. Clueless. Clueless. Gentlemen, you I... cannot address the research because you don't want it to be true, and we all know I'm why. glad you have mind reading. In addition to all your talents, you can mind read now. I guess Gerald Joyce is a fraud, gentlemen, huh? You didn't do it. Gentlemen, the, uh, this part of the debate has come to an end. Uh, <laughs> if... <laughs> if there is... If there is nothing else we can say, one thing we can say is that it has been a lively debate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's do give another round uh, to our debaters for this session. But wait, there is time for questions. Uh, so if you have a question, you're going to have to queue up either on that side or that side, whichever side is closest to you. And please, we only have a half an hour. Please limit your question to a single question. Moreover, that single question should take no longer than 30 seconds. We want to get as many questions in as possible. Address your question to either Mr. Farina or Dr. Tor. Each of them will have one minute to answer the question. If it's addressed to both of them, it'll be two minutes total. If it's addressed to one of them, only one minute total. Uh, we don't have for dialogue in this uh, part of the uh, debate. Uh, we're going to start on this side, and then we're going to go back, back and forth. Mr. Farina. You showed the formation of polypeptides. For the record, did the literature that you cited include examples of using unprotected amino acids that are functional with amino or carboxylic groups? Uh, yeah, I showed you the one by Pounder. I didn't see anything functionalized with amino acids. There was no amino acids there. That they were, were unprotected. They were no, unprotected. they were amino nitriles. No, they, you're Dr. talking Jordan. about a completely different paper, James. You're talking about a different synthetic pathway to get peptides where he didn't go through, through amino acid condensation. I'm talking about a completely different paper where he did indeed get coupling and there was no interference from side chains, even lysine. I didn't see you show that one. We the talked about it multiple them, times. You showed the, the ones without, uh, you mentioned hydroxyl groups. You didn't show something unprotected with amino or carboxylate groups. So I just wanted for the record uh, to confirm on that. No, I did. That one. Specifically to amino or carboxylate. You did mention about hydroxyl. Thank you for that. But for the amino and carboxylate groups, which are very reactive and very important because they are in a Sorry, lot Sorry, guys. Of I got a lot of slides here. Uh, can we make sure that these papers are posted on this sorry, sorry. YouTube video? His, the most selective peptide ligation but that tolerates all proteinogenic side chains. Yeah. All. Now, now my all answer to that is, thank you, what she said. Right. Next thank question. Thank you for reminding us about the paper I showed that does answer the question. Yeah. Next question. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Torb, uh, firstly, can I write my question on the blackboard? <laughs> you have, you no, have 30 it? seconds for your question, according okay. to the moderator. Um, so if it seems like you keep on saying that we don't know X, we don't know X. So what is your current scientific hypothesis as to the origin of life? And if it's not God, how is that, or if it is God, how is that not a God of gaps? 
Scientifically, I have no idea. To say you have no idea doesn't mean that you're saying God of the gaps. Imagine a man in the year 1700. You ask him, are we going to have space flight? How on earth could he even know that? There was no flight at all, let alone space flight. Are we going to be able to land a man on the moon? He can't say. I am like a man standing in 1700, and you're saying, can we put people on the moon and bring them back? I have no idea. That is not God of the gaps to say you don't know. Everybody wants to say God of the gaps because they want to say that they're very close. And this is why these guys say that they're going to get it in, in two years, in three years, in five years. And it keeps not happening. And these guys are getting old and they're retiring. Benner keeps talking about his retirement. They're all going to die of old age before this thing is found. <laughs> Their students are going to die of old age before we find this because we're very far away. Because each year the cellular target gets further away because it gets because we learn more about the complexity of even the simplest of cells. Next I question. don't know. So my, my, my very, very brief, my very, very brief uh, response would be, uh, James doesn't know how life began, uh, so, so there is a gap in his knowledge, um, but he believes that God created life because of religious scripture. Uh, so that's the God of the gaps. You can cry about it all you want, that's what you believe. Sorry. Please, please make sure that when you address your question, to say whether you're addressing it to uh, either Mr. Farina, Dr. Tor, or both. I, my question is for both Dr. Tor and Mr. Farina. It's simply put, what is one thing that they admire about each other's scientific <laughs> career? Okay, let, let me start. Let me start. This man has said multiple times that I have called him stupid. I have never called him stupid because I don't think he's stupid. I have said he's clueless on this topic. I have said he cannot read the scientific literature. That doesn't mean stupid. This man has become a musician, and then he went out, and in 2015, he started an educational site which is huge. The stupid people can't do that. I admire him. This is, this is an educational site, and I have never called him stupid because he's not stupid. He's not stupid. So I admire him for his educational site, and he, from what I understand, I'm not a musician. From what I understand, what people have said, he's an excellent musician. I admire him for that as well. His, his wife is here. He's a father. He has two children. I admire that that a man can have a wife and two children and stay married and do these things these days, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. I admire that. I admire the tenacity with which you stick to a script of lies. It's actually quite impressive. I never said Dave was stupid. I just said his content is a manure dump. I just said everything he says is wrong. I said he's clueless. I said he doesn't know chemistry. Although, again, who's used my content to pass his class? Anybody here? That's what I thought, James. He doesn't know chemistry, yet I'm helping your students. Isn't that interesting? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Would you like to retract any of these statements? Uh, that or perhaps all of them? on Origin of Life? No. Does Farina know chemistry? No. It, oh, it, I don't know like chemistry. You have I a script. Chemistry, Anybody can read a, a script. You saw it tonight. The man could not speak without a script. He has people. Write it. You yeah. could do it. You could do it. When you, you could do it. If you put a piece of paper talk, in front of you. You write and you speak. Okay. Efficiency. Next question. Next Efficiency question. means I don't he, know he chemistry. He can't speak chemistry. 
Next question. Every time I ask him a question, he's going through his, uh, let me let me see what I can find. James, here. if you the man can't speak, if you can't admit that every statement on there is complete bullshit. You are admitting your fraudulence Gentlemen, for everyone. We no, want to make I, sure I, I'm we, not withdrawing we, any of them. We, we want to make sure people have Dozen a chance to ask please. questions. Next question. Uh, Dr. Tour, it seems like most of your critiques rest on so far unjustified assumptions, so I would like to give you the opportunity here to justify at least one of those assumptions. The very first one, your very first question to Dave, it seems like you admit that you can form peptide bonds for some of the amino acids in aqueous solutions without, un, without protecting groups. You point out specifically lysine and arginine, and I would like to ask, why are you assuming that lysine and arginine and all 20 amino acids were there from the very first, the origin of life? Uh, yeah, could you just justify that assumption for us? Why couldn't you have life from, like, just some of the amino acids that later it's been on- 30 seconds. Okay, so, so, my contest on the amino acid claims was he kept saying amino acids are simple to make in water. That's what he said in his series. But then, when challenged on that, he came out later and he said, when activated. When you activate them, they go from being zwitterionic to being non-zwitterionic. This is what I was getting at. So somebody coached him on this. Tour must be right on the activation. Now, to your next question. Could there have been life with half of the amino acids? We have no idea. Even, with half, even if I gave you half of the amino acids, now what? Now what? Be let me tell you. Because if you have 100 amino acids, the chances of getting anything with prescribed information is, is say you have half the amino is 10 to the 100th. <clears throat> yes, it is. Now, let me, now, the chances of that folding, a 100 mer, the chances of it folding are what? 10 to the 90. All right, all right. Okay. So, so Leventhal, par Time. Leventhal Time Paradox. What so one, one form, one form. But Leventhal Paradox. No way, no James way. The vast majority do not fold. Time is up they for don't that fold. question. Next question on this side. Um, so uh, I was just wondering, what's your opinion on Tour just constantly yelling over you, not letting you speak, and just screaming the entire time? Okay, you could not say anything. Hey, it, look, it, it look at everyone doing that right up. now to the question, right? Yeah, you guys are Yeah, and that's really all I want to say. I just want to know why. Why do you think he's doing it? Why is he just yelling over you the entire time? Uh, well, the more he yells, the less I can say and the less I can prove him wrong, right? It's a pretty obvious tactic. Next question. All right, my, my question is for Tor. So I was just wondering, when it comes to self-replicating uh, ribosomes, which we talked about in step number five, and we, there was a concept of if it was you know, 100% or 10% or 20%. Uh, and so my question for you is, how, how could we tell, how could we set up an experiment to tell how much of a ribosome actually self-replicates and so we can measure if it's 10 or 100, for it's, example? It's all been measured. These experiments have all been done. They will say, it, it, they will make 7%. They will, it's, it's always less than 10. That's not to say it will always be less than 10. I presume, I presume that we will come to a time when somebody replicates a ribozyme. So what? Now, you, how did you get this ribozyme? The first ribozyme, you, you, you have this 2-5 problem. You can't make the ribozyme. You can't do a duplication until you make one. And so here we have it. 
Here we have, we can't make the first one. I'm just asking you for the first one. That's all. Quick response. Not done, clueless. The first fully self-replicating ribozyme was done in 2002 by Gerald Joyce. This is not new chemistry. It's not true. Yeah, Next is, question. So. Next true. question. This side. Uh, let me note, I wrote my question out ahead of time so I wouldn't have to, so I could be intentional with my words and not waste everybody's time rambling. Uh, Dr. Thank Tor, you. you spoke of making the charitable choice to treat your interlocutor as you Wait, would any start, grad Start student. over again, Sorry. I missed it. Read, Dr. Say, Tor, say it more slowly. Dr. Tor, you spoke of making the charitable choice to treat your interlocutor as you would any grad student. Considering the nature of your disagreement and the form of it, in the broader context of the relationship between students and advisors at academic institutions, what is the nature of this graduate student advisor relationship? And does this mean that you treat all of your graduate student mentees in the same manner as Mr. Farina? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that. Boom. I, I like that one. I often confront my graduate students, often. If you don't like the way I teach, you don't have to work in my group but I train them very, very well. If they're gonna speak nonsense, I will challenge them every time. If they're gonna speak nonsense, I challenge them every time. This is education. If it bothers you to be educated, then that's you and your generation. But I'm telling you, this is the way we educate. We challenge people and we challenge them to do well and we will maintain those standards. And in my, in my laboratory, in my group meetings, we will maintain those standards. Would you say any of these things to your graduate students? Next question. Uh, thank you both for tonight. My question is for Professor Dave. Um, since Dr. Tour's worldview was a major part of your argument, I'm curious to ask about your worldview coming from a more materialistic view of the world, a naturalistic view. Um, a, deep, a debate presupposes the ability of people to actually think rationally, and I, I know someone might be tempted to say right now, well, there was no rational thought in this debate. But setting that aside, um, what do you th do? You actually think people are capable of thinking rationally if ultimately all that exists are cells in our brains that react chemically with no meaningful difference from thirty seconds. And can, can people think rationally yeah, if rational the world thought, is material? How is rational thought possible in a naturalist worldview? Uh, we have brains and the way brains work. I mean, I don't, uh, you're, you're trying to pretend that rationality presupposes divinity or something? I, I, is that what you're doing? Correct, yes. Uh, so no, I reject that. Um, we exist, we have rational thought, we can observe these things. There's no evidence that a God exists, so we can try to explain it physically. Huh? Yeah, and it's not. So, I mean, I just don't know what to say. We have no evidence that a God exists, yet we can use reason. Okay, uh, we've been we're elucidating. Gonna to, we're going to have to go to the next question. Okay. We're out of time. Next question. Um, sorry, I'm kind of. Uh, I came from Georgia just to like watch this debate. Um, wow. <laughs> my biggest thing is. Uh, do you, like, I'm talking to you, do you believe in free will? That's a good question. I actually don't know. I think I do. Uh, no, I, I don't have a very strong So when you say uh, you don't know, does that mean there's a Do God of the Dr. gaps there? Um, <laughs> no, it just means I don't know. <laughs> but thanks for jumping in there, James. Um, <laughs> it definitely feels like I do. Um, but then again, I understand, like, you know, 
the, the idea of just like responding to stimuli in a mechanical way. Uh, I, I feel like a fly doesn't have free will, or a bacterium certainly doesn't, so I don't know at what point free will would, uh, would emerge. Uh, what I do know is that uh, if there's an omnipotent, omniscient God who knows everything you do before he's even created you, you uh, factually do not have free will. So uh, I know that. Yeah. Next question. My question is for Professor Dave. In one of your videos, you stated, how about this approach from Bruce Lepschitz of UC Santa Barbara? He's a synthetic organic chemist just like you, James. He has devised some interesting methods of using, uh, of, uh, to forming peptide bonds in water at room temperature. In response to this, Bruce himself, in an email to Mr. T uh, Dr. Tour, said, uh, the video, and he's referring to the video you played of him, makes it very clear that he was referring to something done in a hydrophobic, which that means repellent to water, a hydrophobic pocket. We're over 30 seconds. And uh, essentially my question to you is, do you admit that it actually did not occur in water, but actually outside of water? Uh, yeah, and I also in that video said that his methodology is not prebiotically relevant. I was just getting a chemist to dunk on James. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. If you want a clue, then we need a fact and evidence, right? So if we're talking about the origin of life and how this happens, one of the facts and evidence would be the combination of embryology and the molecular clock and the fossil record and so forth and demonstrated observed evolution and everything that we know that there's no vertebrates, no terrestrial vertebrates 300 million years ago. There's no land animals at all 400 million years ago. There's, there's no vertebrates at all 500 million years ago and so on. Protists at best are maybe a billion years ago, and prior to that, we're we had at 30 the first, seconds. First, uh, micros microscopic anything's alive would be 3.8 billion years ago, and so there's nothing multicellular for that whole billion years. Wouldn't that be an indication that it happened? Since prior to that, there's nothing at all. We are obviously here, <laughs> so so that you had that we are here tells us that something happened. What we are trying to discern is how that might have happened. I don't contest that we're here. I don't contest that there were cells. I, I, I don't know what you're getting at. That we are here already tells us that this can be done. From immaterial, you get material. I think we all believe that. We all concede to that. <laughs> Next question. Hi, uh, my question's for James Tor. Um, so you made a very big deal earlier of the way that there are too many 2,5 linkages in non-enzymatically replicated RNA, um, but that is, of course, limited to the specific chemical non-enzymatic RNA replication mechanisms that we currently know about. Uh, so my question is, does it really seem so extremely unlikely to you that there is some currently unknown non-enzymatic process that yields fewer 2,5 linkages, or that early RNA were still able to form useful structures despite having more 2,5 linkages, or possibly both? Okay, so certainly there might be chemistry out there that makes, takes oligonucleotides and makes pure 3,5 unbranched RNA. Of course, there might be 3 prime, 5 prime linked RNA. Of course there might be that. What I am saying that as of today, as of today, we don't have it. That's all I'm saying. That's not to say that we can't, we, we won't identify that next year. But even if we have the RNA, it doesn't solve the problem. There's many other things that happen to happen. You have to get a code to the RNA. 
The RNA is unstable. Now, most, no, most chemists, if you're a chemist, most chemists have never worked with single molecules. I have, because we do something called molecular electronics. When you have a single molecule of something, it doesn't last very long. The half-life of, of RNA at room temperature, let's say, is 100 days. It's generous. Let's say it's 100 days. If you have a 300 mer and the half-life is 100 days, the half-life of that one molecule is 100 days divided by 300. It's, a, it's eight hours. It's eight hours. When you have the reason as chemists we can work with these compounds is because we have moles of them. We're at one minute. Dave yeah. doesn't understand this. He thinks because a peptide linkage lasts seven years, that in a single molecule of a 300 mer, that's never going to break for at least seven years. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. You have to take the half-life and bring it back to a probability. When you have one molecule of anything, it doesn't last long. If we you have, if you have a 200 mer of a polypeptide, that lasts nine days. It's incredible, the Gish galloping. Uh, take a look at this. Right There are mineral surfaces that stabilize RNA and prevent degradation. So. Uh, also well-researched, just another example of uh, James hiding from all the answers that he doesn't want to be there. Next question. No, that is on a surface that is not in water. It's not doing any yeah, reaction on that mineral. As mineral soon as it gets in water, boom, that eight hours. RNA eight, from hours. Degradation. eight hours in water. That's it. No, no, Next James. question, please. No. Dr. Tour, you've said in podcasts and YouTube videos that you do not claim God as an explanation for the origin of life and say that one day science may be able to explain all of it. I said however, that in my introductory however, statement. However, many before. of your following believe that your criticisms of origin of life is evidence for God. Will you denounce this thinking? Criticism of origin of life is evidence for God? What, what did you say? What was the last part? However, many of your following believe that your criticisms of origin of life is evidence for God. Will you denounce this thinking? They can think whatever they stink and want to think. I, I'm not telling what people to think. If you think you should, you, you, you should control what people want to think. I am telling you that just because we don't have an explanation for how life originated, I can't, as a scientist, say, therefore, God made it magically happen and poofed it into existence. I can't say that as a scientist. That's all I say. I don't tell people what they can believe or not believe. That's up to them. But that I don't, is, uh, this, is, this isn't, I'm, 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 not, I'm not the Lord here. Yeah, but that is what you believe, and that's why you lie about science, to protect that belief. <laughs> Thank you. Boo. Boo. Sorry. Next question, please. That's the case. Next question, please. From learning, from learning from you two guys um, and wanting to be here as a neutral, I wanted to be persuaded and convinced. Thank you, Dr. Tour, because not only have you reassured that my path is um, opening, that there are doors that are still need to be open, um, then from the fallacies, the mountain of fallacies that the gentleman next to you uh, opened today, I wanted to see if like there's a possibility what? for you to look into his cosmological work. Wait, and 30, 30 say that seconds. again. I, 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 I want it. you to please look at his cosmological work this, and analyze it the same way that you do your expertise so that you can entertain how he bridges all those gaps and how he promotes a construct that is flawed not We're only in the way that you're seeing, but in the others. Please so answer please, your ask your question. Yeah, the question is just to please if you give us the opportunity online to see you analyzing his work 
in cosmology. What work in cosmology? I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't work in cosmology, but, but I, I, I can't learn another area. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> do you like, you found my Electric Universe debunks and you don't like that or something? Like, what, what, what do you, oh, oh, okay, so. Next question, uh, that, that's please. Another debate. Next question, yeah. please. Yeah, you I mean, that's all a bunch of frauds that you're following, but that's fine. Right, my, my question is for Dr. Tor. Uh, Dr. Tor, given the significance of criticisms that you have on current research uh, in the origin of life field, and given your prolific history of publishing, um, my question is, why aren't you publishing your critiques in reputable journals? Why are you... All right. Why are you denying the scientific community the benefit of your expertise? Why are you limiting your critiques um, to Discovery Institute publications and YouTube that the researchers you're talking about don't look at? 30 seconds is over. Okay. First of all, it's very hard for me to publish a critique that is negative because it has to get through peer review. But that's not the main reason. There have been many critiques like this. So Bob Shapiro wrote critiques. Uh, 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 Carnes Smith wrote a whole book on his critique of this. Uh, 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 Clement Riker has more recently written his critiques, all of them speaking the same types of things that I am saying. These guys continue on as if it was never written. I am not trying to reach the origin of life researchers. I am trying to reach the masses. And there is something called social medium that is allowing me to reach the masses that never read the primary literature. I'm not trying to convince the origin of life researchers. I am trying to show the masses that there is another way of looking at this data. I am going after the people that do not read the scientific literature. That, to me, is what I want to do. And just so that you know, I'm not, I'm not a YouTube guy like this guy is. I sit in my office and I work very hard at you this. You make a I'll lot turn on my, of YouTube I'll videos turn on for my not camera being a YouTube guy, buddy. And my camera is on and I forgot to have the sound turned on properly. It takes me hundreds of hours to do a series like that. One I can certainly over, write articles yeah. in that so amount of time. The translation I've of this is, I can't this publish medium. my critiques because they're full of lies, so I'll lie to the public instead. We, we have time for just one more question. Go ahead and ask your question, please. Yeah. Hi, so my question is for both Dr. Tor and Professor Dave. Uh, my question is, I think that this debate has kind of strayed from the original premise of are we clueless about the origin of life? So if both of you could, using uh, examples from the primary literature, Dr. Tor, I'd appreciate it if you could explain why we are clueless beyond a doubt uh, that there is no, uh, that, that we are clueless about the origin of life. And Professor Dave, I'd like you to explain why we are 100% not clueless about the origin of life. Okay. Uh, you go first. Go ahead. So, uh, really, James, all he can do is just write the word clueless a bunch of times. Um, so, we're not, right? All this research we've been talking about, uh, despite his objections, we do have prebiotically plausible synthetic pathways to all of the important biomolecules and systems chemistry. It's only been going about 20 years, but uh, again, he pretends the research doesn't exist. I would like to point out he made a 10 hour series about abiogenesis and never brought up replicators once. What more proof do you need how clueless he is and how much he is hiding from this research? We certainly don't, would never say we know exactly how life began. That would be ridiculous. 
but we are far from clueless. We have a mountain of research for someone, for James to train people to say that we've never done anything since Miller-Urey in the 50s is the most insane lie imaginable. It's been 70 years of incredible research, especially in the past 20, what we've been doing with systems chemistry. Uh, it's astounding work. Will we ever figure out exactly how life began? Maybe not, honestly, probably not, but it's only because we have so many ways it could have happened. Okay, so, first of all, all that astounding work for 70 years, 70 years of Nobel Prizes, both in chemistry and physiology and medicine, which includes biology. That's 70 times three with two Nobel Prizes. So, so you, you've got, you've got uh, uh, 20, 210, 420 Nobel Prizes have been given since Miller-Urey was discovered. Zero have been given for Origin of Life. Zero. All this wonderful chemistry. Zero. 420. Zero. None have been given. You Science don't want me to say clueless? I won't say clueless. How about I just agree with Cronin? Scam. How's that? Because you can't answer this. You can't answer that, 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 that. So, I'd you say we're clueless on this. You are witnessing the unraveling of a lunatic. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, this uh, concludes the question and, uh, question and answer session, uh, but you're in luck. Both uh, individuals have agreed to stay on. If you want to come up and ask uh, further questions, maybe uh, engage in more debate if you haven't had enough. You're very welcome. Uh, but, uh, We don't know who's cheering for who, I guess. So uh, travel safely back if you want to, uh, to come up. Uh, again, they'll stay for a while and uh, answer any individual questions you may have. Thank you and good night.